All right, we are ready for our last session. We're going to be hearing from Pastor Ray Long. I've known Ray for about 26 years. Um, our paths don't cross quite as much because he lives a little bit further away, um, but I have appreciated his friendship for those 26 years. Um, very gifted man of God. Looking forward to hearing him bring the word to us today. Please give it up for Ray Long. If you would, uh, join with me in a word of prayer. Glorious Heavenly Father, you are holy and righteous, exalted above the heavens. And we know that we are fallen and sinful and not worthy to come into your presence. So we thank you and we praise you for sending your Son to die for our sins and raising him from the dead for our justification. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us now through your word and your spirit. You would help us to understand you and your ways better and what you require from us so that we might please you and so we might bring glory and honor and praise unto your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are a great many things that the church could be doing. Many things that people want the church to do. People are always coming up with new plans and programs, new ministries. It can be easy to get so distracted by the things that are not essential, that we fail to devote ourselves to that which is absolutely critical. If the church is truly going to please God, function properly, and fulfill our God-ordained duty, we must devote ourselves to that which is essential. We have to keep our priorities right. So how do we do that? What is it that must be central to the life of the church? What is absolutely necessary? What must always be the priority of the church? To answer that, let us start by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and asking, what were His priorities? What did the Lord view as being essential. In the first chapter of Mark, we are told that Jesus went to Capernaum and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he taught. And he cast out a demon. And then we're told in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went into her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on him. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. 
Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus was proclaiming the word on the Sabbath, and he displayed his power and authority by casting out a demon and healing a woman. And as soon as the Sabbath was over, people started coming to Jesus. They were bringing to him the sick and diseased, those who were possessed by demons, so that he would heal them. Word about the Lord and his healing was spreading. So the next morning, there were going to be even more people coming to be healed and see the Lord work miracles. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that as soon as morning came, people were going to be pounding down the door. And these were real people with real needs. These were people that Jesus could minister to. These were people who desperately wanted the Lord to help them. Jesus was going to have the opportunity to heal even more people. So what did Jesus do? Did he welcome this opportunity that he had to minister to all these people? No. Mark tells us, Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The people were going to come to Jesus, and Jesus left. He left. He got up while it was still dark so there wouldn't be anybody to hinder him from leaving, and he left the city and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So we see that prayer is important. And then people started showing up, looking for Jesus. The disciples didn't know where Jesus was at, so they frantically searched for him. They hunted him down. In Mark 1.37, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. This was no casual conversation. They exclaimed. They cried out. They shouted, everyone is looking for you. The disciples didn't understand why Jesus would leave at a time like this when multitudes of people were coming to have him minister to them. The disciples were astounded that Jesus would leave at a time like that to pray. But that's not the most astounding part. What he did next was even more astounding. After he had finished praying, and all those people were waiting on him to come back and care for them, what did Jesus do? Did he go back? Did he heal more people? No. He said, let us go somewhere else. People were in need. People were hurting. Jesus could have helped him, but he didn't do it. He left them. The disciples didn't understand that at all. 
The people certainly didn't understand that. Luke tells us in Luke 4.42, they tried to keep him from leaving them. They tried to stop him from leaving. You want to leave? That's crazy. You can't leave these people. They are here for you. They need you. You have to help them. Prayer time is over and you need to get back to work. They tried to stop him from leaving. But he wouldn't be stopped. He left. The Lord left all of those people because he had something far more important to do. What could be so critically important that he would leave them? Mark 1.38 Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Did Jesus say, let us go somewhere else so I can heal even more people? No. He said, so I can preach. He left those people so he could preach. Preaching was primary. Preaching was the priority. Preaching was more important than the healing. Jesus could have stayed right there in Capernaum and people would have come from all over Israel to be healed by him. But he didn't stay because healing wasn't the mission. Jesus said he came to preach. That was the mission. You remember what Jesus said in Luke 19.10? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. He also said in Luke 5.32, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to call sinners to repentance. Do you know what happened to every single person that Jesus healed? Sooner or later they got sick. And they died. Healing them didn't fix their real problem. What they really needed was eternal life in the kingdom of God. And that couldn't come through physical healing. That could only come if they heard the good news that Jesus preached and believed and turned in faith to follow him. Jesus healed sinners. But the healing didn't call them to repentance. They were called to repentance when Jesus preached the gospel. It's not the healing that had the power to save. It is the gospel that was preached. 1 Corinthians 1.21 God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And as Paul said in Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Not the healing. The healing displayed God's power, but it wasn't power unto salvation. Only the gospel has that power. That's why the preaching had to be the priority in the life of Jesus. 
The proclamation of God's word isn't peripheral. The preaching of God's word is mission critical. It is central to the plan and purpose of God. And that's not just in the life of Jesus. The preaching of God's word is mission critical for the church. When God's servants preach the gospel, the power of God is at work to bring about salvation for those who believe. Jesus didn't just set an example for the disciples that they should preach as he did. He commanded them to do it. As Peter declared in Acts 10.42, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one whom God has appointed judge of the living and the dead. Christ commanded the disciples to preach. And what about pastors? What divinely ordained duty was given to them. Well, it's just what Paul declared to the young pastor Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the Word. God ordained that His Word be preached. Christ commanded it. Preaching is not some optional part of the life of the church. It is required. It is an act of obedience and submission to the Almighty God when His Word is preached. The prophets preached. John the Baptist preached. Jesus preached. The apostles preached. Those whom God has called to shepherd the flock must preach the word of God because it is the will and command of God himself that it be done. For God's people to neglect the preaching of the word would be an act of sin and rebellion against God. Do you remember the mission that Christ gave the church before he ascended into heaven? Told in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ gave the disciples and the church a mission to make disciples. How do we fulfill that mission? How does someone become a disciple? First, they have to be saved. How does that happen? Romans 10, 13 through 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Preaching is absolutely essential to the mission that God has given us. Because God uses preaching to bring people to faith in Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus said they must be taught to obey everything that He has commanded. In order to do that, someone must proclaim the Word of God to them and tell them what it is that the Lord commands. And when the church comes together as one body to worship the Lord, it is the preaching of God's Word that accomplishes that. Beloved, it is God's will that His people be washed and cleansed from their sins. It is God's will that His people be sanctified. As we're told in Ephesians 5, 25-27, Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Christ cleanses the church by washing with water through what? Through the Word. We are cleansed through the Word. As Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We are sanctified. We are cleansed from our sins through the word of God. And God has ordained that His people are to receive the word not only through the reading of it, but also through the preaching of His word. Preaching is confrontation with the Almighty God through His Holy Word. When the Word of God is rightly preached, you are confronted with the holiness of God. You are confronted with God's righteous decrees and the sin in your life is exposed so that you might be convicted and repent. You need that. The church needs that. Child of God, do you want the grace of God in your life? You should. You desperately need God's grace. And one of the means by which we receive God's grace is through the preaching of His Word. Remember what we're told? 1 Peter 4, 10-11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. One of the ways that we receive God's grace in our lives is through other believers, using the gifts that God has given them. And when those that God has gifted to speak 
gifted to proclaim His Word, when they use that gift, they administer God's grace into the lives of God's people. When those whom God has truly gifted and called to preach stand up and proclaim God's Word, the Spirit of God is at work in the hearts and lives of His people through the power of His Word. The church needs the Word of God preached so that it can receive that grace of God. When you are in sin, you need the Word of God preached to you to bring you to repentance so that God's judgment doesn't fall upon you. That's God's grace flowing into your life. When the wind starts to blow and the storm starts to rage and your soul is being overwhelmed with fear and despair, you need the preaching of God's Word to turn your eyes onto the Lord. You need God's servant to proclaim the truth of God's Word and remind you of the great hope we have in Christ, the glorious riches of our inheritance in His kingdom, the great reward in store for those who persevere in the faith. You desperately need that so that you will stand firm. That is the grace of God that He gives to be administered to you through those He has called and gifted to preach the Word. That is why it is so critically important that those who serve as shepherds of the church fulfill that biblical qualification laid forth in 1 Timothy 3.2 and are able to teach. In order to be able to teach, A man must not only possess knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, he must also possess a God-given ability to proclaim the truth of God's Word. He must be able to do, as Christ commanded Peter in John 21, 17, Feed my sheep! The Lord's sheep must be fed. And that happens through the preaching of the Word of God. Now I've heard people say of their pastors, he can't preach, but he's a great pastor. (laughs) No, if he can't preach, he is not a pastor. A shepherd must be able to feed the sheep. A pastor who leaves his sheep starving for the Word of God has utterly failed to fulfill the sacred duty entrusted to him. Bad preaching is a horrible problem for the church. Bad preaching can come from a man who has no business whatsoever in the pulpit. But bad preaching can also come from a man who doesn't have his priorities right, by a man who's become distracted and devoted his time to the wrong things. There will always be crowds of people 
who want the church and the man of God to do something else. It is easy to get so sidetracked doing other stuff, stuff that evokes a positive response in people, stuff that gets people's attention, stuff that we might think is important, but ultimately distracts us from the one thing that must be our priority, the ministry of the Word of God. Jesus refused to let Himself get distracted from doing what He came to do. It didn't matter how many people tried to stop Him. He refused to let people keep Him from doing what was absolutely critical. Preaching the Word. The disciples didn't understand that at first. But by the time we get to the book of Acts, they realized what the real priority must always be. We're told in Acts 6.1, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There were widows who weren't getting any food to eat. That's a pretty important problem. Most people would make that their priority. They would drop everything to take care of that. But that's not what the apostles did. Acts 6.2 So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Widows were going hungry. That was important. But it doesn't matter what other important issue may come up. The ministry of God's Word must not be neglected. God's Word must be preached. The preaching of the Word of God is where the power is. That's where the power unto salvation is at work through the gospel. That's where the power of God is at work unto sanctification. That's how we come to saving faith and how we grow in holiness and righteousness. When the Word of God is rightly preached, God's people learn what God's will is and how to live a life that is truly pleasing to God. When the Word of God is preached, the church is built up in the faith and drawn together in unity. God has commanded that His Word be preached and it is absolutely essential for the advancement of the Gospel and the life of the church that we obey that command. So how can it be right to neglect such a critically important ministry? It can't be. Not ever. The apostles rightly refused to neglect the ministry of the word. They told the church to find someone else to take care of the widows. Acts 6.3 Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. 
Let someone else take care of it. Widows were without food. But that was not important enough to neglect the ministry of the Word. Notice what the apostles said they had to do. Acts 6.4 We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They had to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Prayer and the ministry of the Word go together. You cannot properly preach the Word of God without prayer. Christ said in John 15.5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Word of God cannot be properly preached without God working. The preacher needs God to work in his life and give him wisdom and insight into his Word and the ability to proclaim it rightly. He needs God to pour out his Spirit on the congregation and open their eyes to the truth and apply it to their hearts and their lives. Preaching is more than getting up speaking. Preaching is hard work. It is toil, sweat, and tears. It is time in prayer, crying out to God for help, crying out for insight and understanding, crying out for God to work in the lives of His people. It takes true devotion to preach the Word of God. The apostles devoted themselves to it. It wasn't something they did casually. It wasn't something they did in their spare time. They devoted themselves to the ministry of the Word. They poured their hearts and their lives into it. The preaching of the Gospel isn't something that can be given half-hearted commitment It isn't something that is to be given the leftover scraps of time after the real priorities of ministry are taken care of. Preaching is the priority. The preaching of God's Word must be given absolute, unwavering devotion. It is through the Word that people are saved. And through the Word that God's people are sanctified. God pours out His grace upon the church through the preaching of His Word. It doesn't matter what else comes up. It must be given priority. The church and its shepherds must be devoted to the ministry of the Word. Just as the apostles were. And notice the response the church had when they told the church to find someone else to take care of the widows so that they could devote themselves exclusively to the ministry of the word and prayer. Acts 6.5. This proposal pleased the whole group. The church was pleased. They all realized that the ministry of the word had to be the priority. Yes, widows needed to be taken care of. 
But the people were willing to do whatever was needed to be done to make sure that the ministry of the Word of God was not neglected at all. And what happened when the church did what was necessary for the apostles to devote themselves to the ministry of the Word of God? Acts 6-7. So the Word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So the word of God spread. They all made the ministry of God's word a priority. And because of that, God's word spread. People got saved. The church grew. Do you want a biblical recipe for church growth? Right here is where it must start with the proper preaching of the Word of God. It doesn't stop with the preaching. The Word must be lived out. But the preaching of the Word is what the Spirit of God uses to bring about transformation in His people so that they live out the Word. Theologians call this the primacy of preaching. The primacy of preaching. That means the preaching of God's Word is central. It is primary. It is of utmost importance. Everything else that the church does must flow from the Word of God and the proper preaching of the Word. But preaching must always be the main task. That's why Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 1.17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. <clears throat> Paul kept the main thing. The main thing. He knew that the most important task he had was to preach. Baptism is important. Christ commanded that we baptized. It cannot be done away with. But baptism is secondary to the preaching of God's Word. Getting dunked underwater can't save you. But the gospel that is preached can. The preaching of God's Word is of utmost importance. How do we know if we are worshiping God in a way that is acceptable and pleasing to Him? It's not by how the songs make us feel. It's by the Word of God which gets preached and teaches us about worship. The ministry of the Word of God must be the priority. It's God's will that it be a priority in the lives of all of His people. And when we make it a priority, He blesses that. He blessed that in the book of Acts. 
He blessed that in the Protestant Reformation when men stood up in defiance of the Roman Catholic Church and preached the true gospel. He blessed that when Jonathan Edwards preached and sparked a revival. And he blesses that today. Child of God, if you want to be sanctified, if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to see souls saved, then you must make the Word of God and its preaching a priority. Just as Jesus did, and as the apostles did, and as the early church did. Sadly, we live in a time when the preaching of God's Word is trivialized. It is trivialized in seminaries and in a great many churches that encourage pastors not to boldly proclaim the Word of God, but to skirt around the issues, to water down the truths, to avoid offending anyone. Pastors get up. And they may read a passage from the Bible, but then they give a motivational speech or a fireside chat. They spin their yarn and tell a story, tell a joke, maybe show a YouTube video. They try to evoke some emotional response in the congregation, but they don't actually preach what God's Word says. The pastor doesn't confront people with the holiness of God. He doesn't confront them with their depravity and sin. He doesn't lay out the commands of God and declare, you must obey them. Instead, he tickles their ears and sends them away blind to the truth that he was supposed to declare. If you ever find yourself in a church like that, get out. Run as fast as you can to a church where the Word of God is preached. Make sure you are in a church where God's Word is truly preached and stay there. It doesn't matter if they don't have all the programs. It doesn't matter if they don't have a bouncy house for your kids to play on. You don't need six flags over Jesus. You need the Word of God preached to you. Your children need the Word of God preached. The whole church needs the Word of God preached desperately. Beloved, God wants the ministry of His Word to be a priority in your life. Is it a priority? Do you actually come to church consistently to hear the Word of God preached? Or do you frequently skip church to do something else? Do you devote yourself to actually putting God's Word into practice in your life? Are you attentive when the Word is preached? Or are you anxious for the sermon to be over because you have other things that you would rather be doing? Child of God, 
when the pastor steps into the pulpit. He's doing the work of the Lord. He's teaching people the will of God. He is doing battle with all of the armies of hell and equipping the troops with the weapons they need to overcome the enemy. He is fighting for the eternal destiny of men's souls. If that's not worth every minute of the time it takes to get the job done, then nothing is. Nothing. Your pastor is supposed to devote himself to the ministry of the Word. Do you do as the Christians and Acts did? And make sure that your pastor is able to do that? Do you guard his time? When there's something else that needs to be done, do you step forward and take on that responsibility so that he can labor in the Word of God in prayer? Are you and your church doing everything possible? To make sure that your pastor is provided for financially? It says in 1 Corinthians 9.14 The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel receive their living from it. Christ didn't suggest it. He commanded it. It's not optional. If a pastor has to work a secular job, he's not able to devote himself to the ministry of the Word fully. He is forced to devote a great deal of his time to providing for his family. So he doesn't get to spend the time necessary studying God's Word, meditating on the Word of God, praying for wisdom and insight into the Word, and preparing to preach God's Word. His time isn't spent where it should be, in the Word, for the benefit of the church and for the glory of God. And so the ministry of the Word suffers by failing to provide for their pastors. Churches rob themselves of all of those blessings that come from obedience to God and true devotion to the ministry of the Word. And tragically, many churches have become so accustomed to poor and adequately prepared preaching that they don't even realize what glorious riches of God's grace could be theirs with true devotion to the ministry of the Word. That's not the way it's supposed to be, beloved. And God's people should never be content with anything less than obedience to the command and will of God. Now pastors, preachers, you have a holy calling from God to preach His Word. Your job is not to entertain. It's not to give motivational speeches. 
It's not to preach convictions or opinions or personal preferences or even denominational positions. Your job is to preach the Word of God. You are to preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You are to hold up the Word of God and so clearly and plainly declare what the Bible actually says that you can stand in the pulpit and boldly declare, Thus saith the Lord. As Peter put it, 1 Peter 4.11, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. That is a tremendous responsibility. Do not make light of that. If you're a pastor and you do not think that the preaching of God's Word is the most important thing that you do for your church, then you need to repent and get that right or never step foot in the pulpit again. You would rather spend your time running around, kissing boo-boos, handing out food, coming up with programs, mowing lawns or whatever, than resign your church today. Do something else, but don't you dare dishonor the ministry of the Word of the Almighty God. Keeping the preaching of God's Word central and the priority is the job of the whole church, the pastors and the congregation. Let every one of God's people commit themselves to making that happen. Work together for that end so that God's Word bears fruit in the church and in your lives. Make that commitment right now and make good on it.